Thank you for joining us for another week of Surviving Creativity, the show all about following your dreams, becoming your own boss, and surviving the process. This show is made possible by listeners like you. If you like what you hear, head on over to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity and please consider becoming a patron. This week, it's the entire Toonhound Studios gang. We decided to set up a recording here in the offices and just kind of catch whoever came in. We talk about Alonis versus the United States, the Supreme Court case all about online threats and whether or not they're actual threats. That leads us into inequality online and in gaming and comics. We talk about what you can do to take action. And of course, the heaviest topic of all, Star Wars. I'm your co-host, Corey Cassoni. I'm joined every week by Brad Geiger and Scott Kurtz. And this week, we've got special guests Tavis Maiden and Steve Hamaker. It's an excellent episode. You're going to have a blast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another week of Surviving Creativity. thing i wanted to talk about and i like that there's a lot of people here is the um the arguments that happened on monday at the supreme court which was uh alonis versus the united states um so this is a guy who is uh, a rapper i guess a facebook rapper would be the best way to describe him he writes rap lyrics and posts them on facebook and he wrote uh, a series of rap lyrics basically about murdering his estranged wife and posted them on Facebook, and then he got a, he got visited by a uh, uh, FBI agent, also a female, who was sort of investigating this case. And as soon as she left, he turned around and wrote some more lyrics about killing the FBI agent and posted those on Facebook. <laughs> and, of course, uh, federal court immediately nailed him for – I can't remember the name of the law, but basically it says it's illegal to threaten someone using telephone or the internet. Um, and now it's in the Supreme Court because the argument is that he was using his rap persona and emulating his hero Eminem, and uh, and these this is art and it's not a true threat. He's not going to do anything about any of this stuff. So this court case has you know obviously it's going to have sweeping changes to to us who use new media because it means that anybody who makes a threat on Twitter is now making a real threat, assuming that it it falls the way of like. These are actual threats, right? These are these are true threats. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, they spent all day Monday just talking about what def- trying to define true threat, which was almost impossible. Uh, his defense was arguing that that uh, you know it needs in order to be a true threat, there needs to be. Uh, it's not just a reasonable person who views it as a true threat, but you have to understand the intent of what the author is saying. It keeps coming back to intent, which is something Mm. that we've all heard a lot of on, you know, on blog posts and social media, Twitter and Facebook as well. My intent wasn't to offend you. Uh, Therefore you're not allowed to be offended, that kind of thing. So I don't know. This will be an interesting case. It certainly would uh, be interesting to see what happens if 
they say, you know, if the headline is a Twitter threat is a real threat, uh, I, it would be interesting to see if the discourse online changes any uh, as a result. Uh, and and in, in certain ways, I almost hope that that is the outcome because it would be interesting to see people finally a little bit culpable for the, the stuff that they do on the web instead of ha- hiding behind anonymity sure. and hiding behind, well, you know, I've, so, you know, supposedly free speech. I can say whatever I want and, uh, and there's no ramifications. It's, it's good to see the communication that happens online taken seriously as actual communication. Yeah. Well, we're starting to see it in the gaming uh, gaming world, right? I mean, well, not starting, but um, it's been going on for a long time. But it seems like there are people that are actually getting busted for stuff. I mean, obviously that swatting guy, the guy that called the SWAT team in on the one streamer who got busted for that a couple months ago. It's a fake like, story. It was? That was mm-hmm. a fake story? <laughs> yeah, the guy that got busted, it's a fake story. The one where the really satisfying story where they – went to his home and he was crying for his mom. Fake story. Oh, man. See, that's the thing that I want people to start getting nailed on. I want journalists to start being taken to task for these fake stories. I know there's there's nothing legally to do, but... Man, I want somebody to figure out a way to bust those people. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, that's I'm crazy. I'm so I didn't, sick I didn't of it. Let me let me ask you a question, guys. Oh. So I'm back into World of Warcraft a lot. Okay, and I'm playing a lot, which means I'm interacting with a lot of random strangers that are more than likely preteens to teens. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the most part, I hang out with my guildies and my friends. And they're all people my age that are like-minded and adults. But every once in a while, you're in a situation where you're just in a group of randoms. And it's happened to me twice in the last two uh, – in the last weekend. One was during a big raid, a 40-man raid. And the second time was uh, uh, camping a, a, a rare spawn that gives your character a mount. Um, in both instances, there was freely spoken in this raid, typed out – uh, threats to people, okay, that if you were to – if someone – if a female journalist were to get it into Twitter and email, this would be making news as getting a threat, a death threat. Mm-hmm. But I mean I'm talking about homophobic slurs, hate speech, direct threats. Like everybody's waiting for this rare mob to pop up so we can tag them and kill them because everyone gets a mount. And he spawns every 38 to 48 hours. So there's one spot where there's always like 30 people waiting for this guy to pop up. Hmm. So up walks a guy who had hmm. obviously killed him previously on the mount that everyone's waiting to get. Yeah. And out of nowhere, someone in you know, a couple of people like, oh, show off. Hey, you know, you get out of here. We don't want to don't rub it in. And one guy says, this guy looks like a smelly F word. Let's R him to death. Really? Jesus, yeah. come on. Just out of nowhere. <laughs> and it's like I turned to Angie and I said, you know what? I think that now it's just kids trying it on. You think? Yeah, I think it's just – I mean I think a lot of it is like – this is really bad right now. I'm going to say it and see what happens. Yeah. So what's the reaction when something like that happens? Nothing. A, no one really? says anything. I said – I actually said to him, if you were in front of me right now, I would deck you and knock you on your ass. 
-hmm. And he said, what's the problem? (laughs) And he just didn't understand it. And then I was like, that is what an old man says to somebody. (laughs) You know, like at that point, it was I'm like Robert Forster saying, I'm going to punch you now because this is what has to happen. (laughs) But uh, my tolerance for it is just is just is just to a point where I can't I can't handle it anymore. Like, I don't want to see it. I just can't yeah. take it that that um, but 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 my question to you is, was that a threat? Like it's this is he is that guy in danger? No, I'm not saying it's not wrong uh, or that it's not contributing to terribleness, and it is. Right. But what I'm saying is that, that I don't know that that is a credible threat any more than me saying I would I want to deck him as a right. credible threat. Well, I think that's what the Supreme Court is trying to figure out right now, because right now threat is defined as a reasonable person feeling threatened, feeling like that is that is a, re- a reasonable person feeling like that is a true threat. But there's currently when, no definition I- of those things. When I was at San Diego and I had that fan come up to me and I had to tell him, listen, you're overstepping your boundaries. And then I found out the next day that he trashed a hotel room. He was so upset. Mm, I have another that, story. That Oh, yeah. That's the guy that broke into my email and read my email for a year. Oh. Oh, when I found I out he was reading my email, I was desperately trying to contact the authorities because I'm like, I kind of feel threatened by this guy. Yeah. Like what else is he willing to do? Like all of it separate of itself didn't scare me, but all of it added up to like, he's been watching me for a year really freaked me the fuck out mm-hmm. as it should. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. By the way, could get nothing done. No one would take action. No. Well, that's still the problem. That's, I think that's Seattle why police say, well, that where's he live? Call their police. Their police said, no, call your police. Both eventually said, just call the FBI to cybercrime. And then the FBI said, here's a website. Enter your complaint. We'll get to you. Right, right. <laughs> that was four years ago. I mean, I, I think that's why this case is so important is it's going to change pretty dramatically the way this stuff is dealt with. I think already the FBI has, you know, they have some new task force built for going after some of this, you know, really hardcore stuff. The, the thing that I like about it, uh, if it goes if it goes through and lands on the side of, yes, these are threats, is that um, then we'll get to a place where the people that, that are making these threats and, you know, the, the tech savvy would argue like, oh, I'll just I can just mask my IP and create a new account and go make these threats anyway. And, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, you could, but it's a lot of extra work. And right. And if you go through all that extra work to make that threat, then, yeah, you are absolutely a credible threat. Now it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, all right, well, now we can. Now, now it's premeditated. Yeah, yeah, now we can go after you because you are you are absolutely a credible threat as opposed to a person who, I you know, you just what, says though, I something. say that I say that now and I think about it and I'm like, if someone made that threat, even in a wow to Miranda, I would, ass- I would assume it was a credible threat. She'd be inside for a week. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about your niece. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like I saw, I saw Tavis, you were Twittering about this conversation you were having with Jonas and that's the solution to the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah, you yeah. see, tell, did you see this us, Congresswoman? Tell did us you about see the that, Congresswoman Tavis. that got a hold of the kids' parents on Facebook? No, no. Yeah, some congresswoman was um, making some post on Facebook. Was it a congresswoman? Uh, and some someone said, I hope you get art to death or something. 
So he made it over Facebook. So she went to his Facebook page, saw who he was related to, saw his mother, <laughs> Facebooked his mother and said, your son just wrote this to me. And she's like, that little shit. You know, like they're kids <laughs> yeah. and they're just not being taught by their parents how to act like human beings. Well, I think they're learning a lot from the web and that's the current, that's the current environment that we live in. Jonas, uh, I'm sorry, Tavis, tell us about, uh, for people that don't follow you on Twitter, a little bit about your conversation with, uh, with Jonas and what you were tweeting about. Well, we were talking a lot about inequality and, you know, not, not just, I mean, everything that's going on with Ferguson, uh, Gamergate, we're talking about racial and gender inequality, uh, but a lot of it just boiled down to the, the venomous, hate-filled, ill-informed comments that people make. You know, they aren't born biased. That's something that you learn growing up. And this conversation that Jonas and I had really was just kind of about, um, it was really just about privilege and Mm -hmm. opportunities that, you know, everybody might have, but because of your positioning, you could be more likely to succeed or you'll have more of an opportunity to succeed. And I don't know if you guys saw, um, this might be going a little left field, but I don't know if you saw the story about the teacher who was teaching his class about privilege by he set up a wastebasket in the front I of the keep classroom. I seeing that come across my Facebook feed. Uh, yeah. feed. yeah. What, what was the upshot of that? I, I kept meaning to click it. <laughs> well, essentially, he put a wastebasket in the front of the classroom, gave everybody a piece of paper and said, the wastebasket is success. The paper ball is opportunity. Now, you all have opportunity. And if you get it into the basket, you're successful. So everybody took a shot at it and the classroom set up like any other classroom where you have the front row of desks, you know, and so on and so forth until you get to the back row. Mm-hmm. Well, the majority of the kids in the front row made it into the basket to where almost none of the kids in the back row made it in and were complaining about it being unfair. And so but, the lesson why you had the same chance. You had the same chance, <laughs> you had the same opportunity. <laughs> exactly. And so that's where, you know, the lesson comes in is sometimes your position in life, just where you are, can increase your opportunity to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, it was. Uh, and I, I think that Chris Rock said something the other ooh, in a recent Chris interview Rock that, that really changed my uh, perspective on things. He said something I just never, it had never been spoken out loud to me and it made me really just stop and reevaluate everything. But he said that he hears all the time about how black people are making progress. And he's like, it's not our progress. It's white people's progress. Mm-hmm. If black people are being treated better now, it's because white people aren't as crazy as they used to be. White people are making progress. It's not the black community that's making progress. It's not the homosexual community that's making progress. It's it's the people in power that are making progress towards tolerance that's and right. inclusion. Right. And I equality. just looked up. He he said uh, to say Obama's progress is saying that he's the first black person that is qualified to be president. That's not black yeah. progress. That's white progress. Right. <laughs> There's been black people qualified to be president for hundreds of years. If you saw Tina Turner and Ike having a lovely breakfast over there, would you say their relationship was improved? Some people would, but a smart person would say, oh, he stopped punching her in the face. It's not, <laughs> uh, it's not up to her. Ike and Tina Turner's relationship was nothing to do with, uh, has nothing to do with Tina Turner. Nothing. It just doesn't. 
the question is, my kids are smart, educated, beautiful, polite children. There have been smart, educated, beautiful, polite black children for hundreds of years. The advantage that my children have is that my children are encountering the nicest white people that America has ever produced. Let's hope America keeps producing nicer white people. It's You know, it's an interesting way to think about it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and in a lot of ways, uh, accurate. Just uh, to clarify, Tavis Jonas is how old? He's seven. Seven. And what was his yeah. response to you explaining to him some of these inequalities? <laughs> oh, his he was so incredulous. Like, you know, so when Jonas gets ramped up, he starts talking with his hands. <laughs> and so he's just like he's, – he's all over the place with just like, that's ridiculous. Why? Why? It was, it was just so many whys, so many that's ridiculous. And there's no real – good way to to answer him as to why other than this is just how some people are this is how some people were raised and i don't know what made them that way i don't know why they continue to be that way see that's this is what i worry about with with new media and online technologies because i i also have a young son and you know, in a few years, he's going to be online and he's going to be experiencing this stuff. And I think, like you said, Scott, he's going to try, he's going to try this stuff on, but it's difficult as a parent. I don't know that he will. I, the, my, you know, what's really interesting is that, um, what I, 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 I'm, I, I'm looking back now on my dad when he was, when he was, with, he's my age that I am now. But the lessons he taught me at the time, which really came across as wisdom to me, I really see are a product of his his own insecurities. But what's what's super interesting is that my dad taught me a bunch of lessons. Brian too, you know, and and it's really interesting the way that he taught us. He would say, "Look, guys." You're going to be in school, you're going to be in class, and everyone's going to be doing something bad. And it's going to seem like a really fun idea. And yeah, it would be. It's fun to be bad. It's exciting. But mm-hmm. don't do it because you're not good at it. It's not in your heart. <laughs> and you're going to be the one that gets caught, and you're going to be the one stuck in trouble because everyone else that's bad all the time, they're good at it, and you're not, and it's just not who you are. And it's just best not to start, you know, because that's just the way your last name is Kurtz and you're not going to get away with it. Trust me. Every time I took a chance (laughs) and and tried to be bad, I always got caught. You know, it was always very much this practical thing of like, look, guys, I know I know it's fun to be bad, but it's not going to work out. And when but. That's the other thing. And my friend Shebel and I used to talk about this all the time. We grew up with violent movies. We Not the way they are now, but, I mean, my dad grew up with westerns. Everyone was getting shot all over the goddamn place. Mm-hmm. We grew up with all kinds of crazy violent movies. I mean, RoboCop was a super violent movie. Yeah. Stuff they wouldn't show now. I mean, I my first boobs and side boobs were PG movies. Yeah. Yeah. We played video games nonstop at the time when they didn't exist yet. They were existing for the first time, and everyone was terrified of them. Mm. My parents were terrified of arcades because, I mean, 
we were the first generation to just want to sit in front of a screen all day that wasn't a television. At some point, the programming stopped, but the Atari never stopped. Right. Why don't we walk into a school and shoot everything up? Why don't we do crazy things? And Rob, who's a teacher, says, because our parents showed us that there was something beyond being 16. Like, yeah. I grew up wanting to be my dad. I grew up like one day I'll grow up and I'll have a job and a family and I want these things. There was something else to look forward to. Yeah. But he's like all the kids in my class, their attitude is who gives a shit because nothing good is coming. And, you know, I married I married into a family with that attitude. Mm -hmm. I had a real struggle the first year of my marriage because my my father-in-law was very much a why bother. Yeah. You know, why bother trying because it's not going to work out. I mean, I used to hear him tell um, Angie's younger sisters, people like us don't get things like that. It doesn't It never works out for us. You know, they were the disenfranchised. Yeah. See, and this is this is part of the conversation I had with Jonas, too, where I told him that no matter what you want to do, you can have it. You just have to be prepared to bust your ass for it. And realize that there are other people who have to work that much harder to even get a fraction of what you want. That's an important lesson. And another lesson I learned from fucking TV, which is a, a terrible place to learn things from. But <laughs> we, we were watching uh, Scandal. You know that TV show Scandal? Mm -hmm. And uh, the main character, Olivia Pope, uh, played by Carrie Washington, who I am in love with, um, She's having an argument with her father, and he says, what did I tell you growing up? What did I tell you? And she's, he's like, she's like, I know, I know. And he goes, no, I want you to repeat it because obviously it didn't sink in. And she goes, we have to work twice as hard. And he goes, twice as hard to get half of what they get. Mm, and, yeah. I, and I'm like, that is a lesson that never had to be taught to me. That is not a reality I ever had. And I turned to Angie and I said, that's what privilege is. I'm starting to get it. Like, yeah. that's what privilege is. That yeah. lesson never had to be taught to me. My dad never had to teach me that lesson. That's the difficult thing about privilege is that the, the people sometimes that it's, that it's most important that they get, you're asking them to see something that they can't see for well, themselves. Well, that's the problem, right? It's like right? John Cleese talking about uh, – Dunn and Krager. Dunn and Kruger, right? Craig. The fact that you're privileged means that you can't <laughs> see that you're privileged. Yeah. Yeah, you can't see it. It's not a part of your reality. That's why takes, you're privileged. It, yeah. Well, and, and that's like that that lesson that teacher was teaching with the wastebasket. The only people who said it was unfair were the people in the back row. Right, right. That's a great point. Well, yeah, that always happens with all of those. That's not the first – you know, they did a social experiment like that. To teach us that lesson, lesson when I was in school too. For us, it was they split us up with eye color, and I was like, okay, everyone that has blue eyes gets a bonus on their final grade, and everyone with other color eyes don't. Yeah, this is and an old like, sociological. That experience. is mm -hmm. not fair. And then they're like, everyone else is blue. I was like, we love it. And yeah, it took a great idea. Of, it took all of thirty <laughs> seconds for them for the kids to start taking it super fucking seriously. Like we couldn't even see through the fact that the teacher was trying to teach us a lesson. Yeah. We, we became so enraged that even in this mock – and I remember pulling Mr. Grimm aside and saying, it's already hard enough. Why are you doing this? <laughs> he split us up into nations, 
it gave us all of a nation. Mm-hmm. And we had the, you know, a peace card or a, or a nuke card, you know, that old chestnut. Yeah. 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 And then everyone gets an A if there's world peace. But if one if not, person, if not, the victor gets world yeah, yeah. peace, gets the A. Uh, and you know, I said to him like, in a group of adults, this would work, but it's already tough. I said, it's why? Why would you do this? And you like were you were a kid at the time. Well, I was in. I was a sophomore in high school. Oh, all right. I, I guess that's a kid. You're, you're I went still, to. I was still a larva. I went to Jeff Grimm. He was an awesome teacher at Trinity High School. And I said afterwards, and I said, "This is really, this is really terrible for some of us because these lines are already drawn, and we already have a hard time with these people. And at least in class, you know, it ends for a short period. But now <laughs> mm-hmm. it's happening in here too. Like now it's a part of our grade, and that's yeah. not fair. And he goes, "Don't worry, Scott. I'm I'm, I'm aware of all these things. I'm not going to let." I would never let that affect your grade. He was my favorite teacher. He also um, pulled out a candy bar one time and said, uh, uh, what is it? He said something like it was like Baron Von Strucker or whatever. I just used a Marvel term because I couldn't remember the actual quote from this class. He's like, what does the Von mean? You know, what does it mean if someone's Von something? And I raised my hand and I said, of. It's It's German. So he is the baron of this land. And he goes, right. He tossed me the candy bar and I tossed it back. And he says, why are you tossing it back? And I go, well, it wasn't really fair. My dad's German. So I grew up knowing a little German and he tossed mm-hmm. it back. And he said, never apologize for knowledge. Hmm. <laughs> I, he is the coolest teacher, man. Yeah. It's funny how certain teachers kind of stick with you and, and you remember stuff they say long, long after you, you're out of the classroom. And then, and then you take a look at, you know, how we treat teachers, you know, socially and, and on the workplace. And it's yet another one of those things that it's amazing that we've got to convince people that they've got to put more of an importance on things like what we pay teachers. Yep. I'm not skymalling that. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I, there's an interesting future coming. I think a lot of it has to do with technology. Um, I'm interested to see what teachers do with technology. And I'm interested to see what kids do with it. I think it's going to go to uh, – it used to be you got to get your kids in a private school if you want them to – have a good education now it's going to be you got to homeschool your kids you know i wonder if that's coming it is i want to yeah, i wonder the same well, that's thing. already that's already started a bit started. there's plenty of people who said you know homeschooling is the only a, way i tell get you what education yeah i i mean <laughs> i'm gonna tell brian i think he should homeschool miranda I've, I've, I also personally know people that have gone that route and found out how difficult it is to homeschool yeah. and went running back to the, <laughs> running back See, to the school. And, and, and part of it too is, is not an easy job. Yeah. yeah. Part of it too is your kid can't really get that same life experience of things not always going the way they want them like they would in public school. Right. And I had a, I had a shit experience growing up in public school. I was constantly bullied, but it 
toughened me up and it actually helped develop my character to where I could, I could navigate life. You know, I could have find out what situations to avoid. I could learn how to turn situations around, developed a sense of humor to diffuse potentially violent situations. Mm. And I think that that's, that's important for kids to learn like how to navigate life. You know, that's, that's an interesting point actually, because we're all of a generation where, I mean, I think I can accurately say that every one of us was bullied pretty extensively when we were in school. It's why we're in this room. Right. But uh, I think it's interesting because we have those experiences and learned how to deal with it. And now uh, on the internet, we're not, at least I'm not as threatened by a lot of things that people seem to be really bothered by online. Like something, I'll see something happen and somebody will get, you know, really upset about it and I'll go, I don't know. I've had worse than that happen to me in real life. And this is just Twitter, but I have to remind myself that for the, for the generation behind me, Twitter is real life. Like this is, this is their, this is now their social. Well, it's not even, it's not even that. All right. Look, I mean, (laughs) if you're going to, uh, jump a large chasm, do you walk to the edge and then jump or do you back up and make a run? You need some fucking momentum. Mm-hmm. So it's time to jump this chasm back to sanity. And no one's going to calmly walk up to the edge and say, all right, let's get the Corps of Engineers out here and safely build a bridge across this and get back to some sanity where we're, we're, we're treating women better and we're treating minorities better. No, there's going to be a fucking run. There's going to be a leap. Yeah. And and even more so, there's going to be a push against it. And, oh, yeah. And what you're seeing now is is both sides on on each far end of the spectrum is just, you know, revving the engine as high as they can <laughs> before they lift off the brake. <laughs> and it's good. You know, I mean, it's not good for those trying. But, like, that's why – when people freak out at every little thing and I see all this outrage, you're like, well, you know, it's, it's a, it's the, it's the fuel that's going to catalyst the change. And when I see everyone freaking out on the other end, like we've got to stop these gays. They're think of the children. I'm like, this is the last gasp of a desperate last gasp of a dying. Yeah, you know, think because, of the children is the last gasp. <laughs> well, but you know, when you, 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 that's why it's like, well, these duck dynasty guys, yeah, a bunch of old guys. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like no yeah. one looks at him and goes, no one reads that duck dynasty story and goes, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> I've been hanging up with out with Philip this whole time. My best friend. Thanks, duck dynasty guys. <laughs> hey, Philip. Hey, we can't be friends anymore, you fag. I've been watching Duck Dynasty on A&E. Sorry, I've seen the light. Click. That's not happening. Cut that part out. <laughs> no, no way. But that, not at you know, all. That is that's not what's in. that's not what's happening. You gotta. Maybe I'm just being Superman about it, but I'm seeing the light. I'm seeing the positive well, side. Well, I think part of it is staying positive. And I think it's really easy to, especially online, because you can set up, you know, filtering is an amazing thing when it comes to new media. And you can really filter your stuff. And, and you can make it so you don't have to deal with a lot of things. But you can also accidentally filter yourself into a corner where all you're dealing with is the vitriol and the vile and the hatred. And then it, it can, 
you know, it can dramatically affect your views and your opinions of stuff, um, especially online. I, I, we've talked on past episodes before about, you know, sometimes you just unplug and then you realize that there's this whole world going on outside of your screen and the world does not give a fuck about what's happening on your screen. It just doesn't yeah. care. The guy who's picking up your garbage in the morning does not care. <laughs> it just doesn't. You know what I mean? Like the 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 clerk at the checkout, the even the even all the way down to the to the the you know tie it back into media, the the tech entrepreneur and the business guy, like they're not worried about this stuff. They have a focus. They have a point. They have a goal. They're working on something. And these these kind of little things that people filter in, into a, a giant ball. And then it and then it really bothers them. I think that kind of stuff builds up. Uh, but I wanted to ask you guys because we're talking a lot about, you know, change coming in this kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I think I have and I think we all have to some extent remained uh, relatively quiet on, uh, you know, issues that, are, that have popped up in the news from from Gamergate to Ferguson to, you know, you name it. And Tavis and I, we were having a conversation about this the other day and and I said, you know, my problem with it is my my voice is inadequate for this conversation. Sure. I, I'm a well-educated white guy from a middle-class family. Like, I am the wrong voice to, to be heard about this. Like, they and, – and to some extent, too, someone would say, but no, we need every voice. But, uh, you know, my argument to that is, look, I got plenty of – feminist and and uh you know minority race friends and they're doing just fine man there are other things that i can do but their voices i need to get out of the way because in this signal to noise ratio i'm the noise i gotta get out i gotta get out of the way so the signal can be heard i gotta promote the signal and then and then be out of the way and and then see i disagree i feel very strongly different about that and that's why i wanted to bring it up because i know a lot of people would be upset at me about that but i I, it's just how i feel i'm not upset with you and and scott though before you get into your point i just want to say the one thing to to strengthen this argument for both sides is this notion that silence is complacence and i think that that's oh i'm so sick of that that happened a lot in the gamergate thing is like if you don't say anything you're with gamergate it's like fuck you Mm -hmm. get out of here no i you're right tavis but what i was gonna what i was gonna say to both of you is that it's not that your voice is not important in the in the in the um, discussion, nor that your silence is complacence. It's that you know, it's it's just like with. Um, let me give you a very benign thing. Every year, you know, the child's play charity stuff pops up, and everyone's like, "Are you going to go to the? Are you going to go to the thing this year?" No, I'm not. Well, are you going to participate in Desert Bus? No, I'm not. Well, are you going to retweet it? No, I'm not. Well, are you against Child's Play? No, I donated money to Child's Play, but it's not my job to report to you guys how I'm supporting charities. Like, <laughs> I, I can support the charity how I want to. I don't want to shove myself into a suit this year, and I don't want to drive up to Va- Vancouver to, to do Desert Bus. I'm super busy, and, and I've been traveling a lot. So uh, I think I'm just going to support quietly on my own this year. And And – that might be better than anything else that I do, especially it's going to be better than just dressing up and showing up at a dinner to be seen in front of everybody. But what I'm saying to you, Corey, is that you worrying about it and you raising your son properly to be a good human being, um, you speaking out in your communities for what's right. And, and this is something I keep telling, explaining to my dad. 
is that it's our job as the minority to, or majority to protect the minority. You know, that's the I just feel like the the change has to come from the people in power, right? Am I wrong? I think it goes both ways. I I think I, I think I think that's where Corey's point of yeah I think you and amplifying... I I think you and I are agreeing, Scott. I think that oh. that it's the job of the minority to keep getting out there, keep talking, keep you know, and and we are using the term minority. We're not talking necessarily talking about race. It could be anything. Uh, you know, any oh, kind of could be minority element. Well, oh, let me give you a, let me give you a good example. Okay, if I say, well, you know, harassment in comics. I'm not a woman. I got no place to 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 talk about it or voice an opinion. Uh, I agree. Maybe it's not your place to voice an opinion on it. Where it is your place to speak is when you know the guy that you're working near right. is a fucking lech. Yeah, absolutely. You, him. you tell him this is unacceptable. Yeah. I'm sick of this. You finding out someone's a nutbag and then – and you then know, everybody goes, like, well, well, that's just, uh, well, that's just too much. That's a story has been floating around for years. No, look. Yeah, the, I, I guess that kind of I mean, look at the Cosby ties... thing. How long yeah. has <sighs> everyone that known Cosby known that he did this shit? Oh, yeah. Speaking of somebody that grows up uh, or grows up, lives in the shadow of Temple University, uh, I, 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 will, I will just say – there were stories like that for years about Cosby. <laughs> just like we just got done saying about Cosby. Hell yes, and Temple was. Uh, the, the, I will. The I will give you yesterday. this pass, Brad. There's not much you, Brad Geiger, could have done about <laughs> Bill Cosby. <laughs> no, I'm going to give you but, a pass on that. But one. look, here, here's the thing. And th- but I will say this about that. Um, we're talking about it. It, 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 it may. It, I just want to underline something you just said because I think it's important. Cora was talking about well, it's not his place to go on social media and say something about Ferguson, but and and you said well, it is your place. You know, the the way you make a change is how you raise your kids. That's something that's really really important to realize is that I don't know that I do a whole lot of good tweeting about Ferguson. But when my dad gets on the phone <laughs> and starts spouting the stuff that he spouted at me uh, yeah. over the weekend, no, which I was agree. clearly something that he had heard either on Fox News or one of his uh, uh, horrible racist friends. And that's when the moment that your speech actually counts. I haven't said anything on Twitter about Ferguson because I really don't think I can add anything thoughtful to the conversation. But on that phone – that's when it's your turn to step up to bat and say, yeah. hold on here. Think about what just came out of your mouth. Yeah. I think no, I, I like the, right. I like the analogy with uh, women in comics and I'm going to go back to that because that ties to, um, you know, our industry and, and what we do uh, and, and avoid some of these larger topics that we could spiral down the rabbit hole and be gone forever. But um, I think Scott, you hit the nail on the head and this is what Tavis and I were talking about too. in, in the whole, and I, I still feel like my voice is inadequate for this discussion, but that doesn't mean that at shows I won't continue to, and I have before, uh, nailed people when they've done something not great. You know, it's like it's really easy, especially if you know them, to just pull them aside and go, hey, dude, that was uncool. I've even, ha- I've even said that to people and had them walk over and apologize before. Like, you know what? I don't know what I was thinking. That wasn't okay. I thought it was funny and it it wasn't it didn't work out. I'm really sorry. And it's like problem yeah, no, dissolved, it's man. And I'll tell you too, it, it's and, very very important. And I'll say this to anybody who's in a position because we are in privileged positions, if you can hire women, if you can hire minorities, if they're the best fit for the job, 
do it. I know it's easier. And we, you know, people have talked about this in business in the past, but like it's there, there's a disproportionate amount of hiring of the same race or sex, uh, be, even when people are equally qualified. And the reason why is because I'll tell you as someone who's hired people before, it's easier. Like you go, mm-hmm. all right, I have enough in common with this person because they're male and they're white and I'm male and I'm white that it'll be easier for us to make a connection. It'll be easier for us to, you know, it'll be easier for me to give notes or maybe they'll understand the project better. Uh, maybe I'll be able to communicate with them. But the the problem is the best art comes from, in my opinion, some kind of conflict or consternation. And, uh, you know, if, if that's what you need to hire someone who is not exactly like you, then go for it. The other thing is uh, having an, uh, another perspective that is not your perspective is going to bring more to any project that you're working on. So, mm-hmm. you know, we tend to uh, at Toonhound to hire not just the best fit for the job, but the best fit for the job that's also going to bring something interesting to the table. And that tends to be people that are not like us. It happens regularly. And and I like to think that that is the thing that we can do. And that, that's the thing that other people can do. So short of just being a slacktivist and going on Twitter and making a stink. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> There's a disproportionate... Uh, hiring in in all marketplaces of sameness and i'm not i'm not saying hire women i'm not saying hire minorities we do work with a lot of women now that you mention it yeah we do and not just because they're the best fit for the job we've we they bring a lot to the table especially in art i think that all the people that complain about and i'm trying to tie this back to women in comics but all the people that complain about these women in comics stuff it's like you know, first of all, stop ignoring the women that are dominating comics right now. Raina Telgemeier has been on the top of the New York Times bestseller list for 150 whatever weeks now. And you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's the first thing. And the second thing is stop moaning about it and hire them. Just go hire – like, go hire See, a woman. This is this is something that I experienced firsthand. And it took me – it took me um, – it took me, unfortunately, until I was treated poorly – to end the relationship or to say anything. But I used to, I used to work with a guy who, who used to be completely sexist and used to say all the time, things like women aren't funny. Women don't make good comics, you know? And I would just kind of quietly go, well, no, 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 I like them. (laughs) But I never said, Hey man, this is fucking, you can't say shit like that. You're being really fucking ignorant. And, And it wasn't until, this person decided that I was not, you know, mm-hmm. a very good, good person based on arbitrary stats that I started to go, <laughs> well, I think this guy's a bad person. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, sort of dawn on you. <laughs> it, well, listen, it was kind of hard. It was, it was, uh, a famous, a famous person helping my career out. I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't like what was happening. God, how many times have we heard that story? Yeah. Well, yeah. But imagine. Yeah. I mean, and, and <laughs> yeah, just not great. Yeah. But that's what I'm talking about is I keep coming back to that one panel where everyone's on the panel, not being aware of. And I think that, hmm. that anyone that's talking about, we're going too far. This is just hypersensitivity. And 
it's good though because the next time someone's on the panel and turns to a girl and goes, "Well, you got a big rack," someone's gonna go, "Hey, what yeah. the fuck, dude?" Yeah, the job of the moderator job of the moderator should be to say that's you know that's inappropriate. Let's change the subject. And and that's just it. It, it doesn't even have to be. Uh, all it takes is a very polite uh, m- redirect. In other words, all it takes is somebody saying, "You know what? Nah, maybe not the coolest thing." Well, it doesn't take an in-your-face. It doesn't take a fist. Uh, sometimes all it takes is just a polite, nah, not so much. Try again. But that's the hardest part, though, right? That's the part that people have trouble with, I th- I think, right now, is because uh, I guarantee you my my little soapbox rant just now, I'm going to get two or three things out of this. One, I'm going to get that I'm a sexist because I'm saying hire women, right? That's the fir- very first thing that's going to come out. The second thing I'm going to get mm-hmm. is I'm some kind of apologist or I'm trying to make myself look like I'm not privileged or I'm not racist or I'm not sexist. That's going to be the second thing that happens. Like we've seen this happen over and over and over again online, mm-hmm. right? Um, when really it's like, look, it's just a good conversation about these things. And the the trick is to, like Brad said, to curb the conversation, to figure out a way where you're not um, – it's like the public shaming thing on Twitter, where somebody says something and then it's like, hey, let's let's retweet oh, what they said and publicly shame them into dirt. And then they lose their job yeah. and their life is screwed. And it's like, is that really necessary? Like, how about just saying, you know, hey, that wasn't OK. That's or how about how about just giving the other person the benefit of the doubt and say, listen, I know in in your in your heart, you're a good person. What just came out didn't reflect that. And, you know, try again. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I swear Feel to God. Better. I swear to God, nine times out of ten, the person will apologize. Oh, or didn't even realize that. How I, Listen, how many times have I done that where I said something and then later on it's like, oh, you know what? That could have been taken two different ways or it, I probably hit that a little hard or I was trying to be funny and I fell on my face. I mean, Jesus. There's my, a guy my, who apologizes my, it, to the guy who punches them for bleeding on their shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you apologize a little too much, Brad. But, <laughs> I'm sorry. But here's, <laughs> but here's here, I think this is the point, though, right? I think that everyone should try this the next time they're at a con, if because it happens to me at cons all the time. You're going to hear somebody say something, or you're going to see them do something where you go, "Jesus, that's not okay." All you got to do is walk up and go, you know, hey. I saw this thing. I don't think you meant it that way. You know, you might want to apologize to so-and-so or maybe not do that in the future. I guarantee you when confronted more than 50% of the time, the person's going to go, Oh gosh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I almost, almost without fail because that's happened to me over and over and over again. And nine times out of 10, the person goes, sorry. And the other 10th time, the person raises a stink, and I swear to God, you just put up your hand, flag down a security, and have them removed from the show. I've done it more than <laughs> once because you're standing you there. Really? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, it's a little different for me because you know usually I'm running a booth, and the people who work the show know me. So again, the, the privilege that is unrecognized. But a lot of shows now, you know, uh, a PAX or an Emerald City, or you have volunteers all over the place. They're very easy to find. They're very clear. Usually, you have one who works your area. And you know their name and you kind of know where they're going to be. And if someone's causing a problem, you can get them over there quickly and they can they can mediate. But I'm telling you, people 
don't like to be confrontational. And if you approach them in a polite but but firm, I call it uh, I call it uh, a positive assertive way. They're going they're going to react positively. They're going to say, "Man, I'm sorry," or "Gosh, that I didn't mean that," or "I didn't mean to do that." I promise you, try it. It'll it works. Just go up to a random person and tell them you're disappointed in what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be amazed at how great it makes you feel. No, it's not about how you feel. It's it's about oh, the I'm fact sorry. that it works. It's about the it fact a, that it works. I thought it was about me. No, it's not about oh. you. Oh. But I, I'm just saying instead of taking a photo of someone and saying, hey, this person's a prick. They did fill in the blank and, and posting it on Twitter and then it going viral and that person's life being ruined forever. That's the part I don't like. It's all become so self-serving. Right. Just go up and politely and quietly and to between you and them say something. Really, <laughs> honestly, try it. Oh, we lost Brad. Ah, we lost Brad. He'll come back. He's tired of this conversation. <laughs> he is tired of this conversation. <laughs> he's convinced he feels really that bad, bad he's, about it. He said or yeah. did something that disappointed us, so he had to leave. We, <laughs> I took him to another room <laughs> so I could have a talk with him. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to have a conversation with Brad Geiger. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, try that the next time you're at a con. That's all I'm saying. So give it a shot, guys. Give it a shot. <laughs> Positive, assertive. Be say say. No, it needs to come from within. It has to. I the, the it has to be the peers, man. These peers. Here you go. Brad's back. Brad's back. And I think that you attending a show with someone you are their peer just because even if you don't know them because you're both at a show you know this is and that's the part that's driving me crazy right now is people on people on social media and 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 like i said in the last uh our last podcast i stopped following these people because i realized i was only following them to get angry but the new monster are the people that you know it doesn't take long within certain circles to figure out who's a scumbag Right. Yeah. It only takes about thirty seconds to figure out if someone's an asshole. I've seen it in people's <laughs> eyes when they're talking to me. They figure it out super fast. I can tell when they're like, "Ah, you've checked out. You're done with me. You know I'm an asshole." But what I'm saying is, everyone knows who they are in their circles. Everyone knows who's the skeeve. And what's happened is these guys they find out all they they're very very t- tuned in to oh. the buzzwords. And the mm-hmm. right phrases and the right things to link to and the right causes to get behind. And they cloak themselves in that social justice warrior fucking shit. And it eats you alive because you're like, this is the motherfucker <laughs> at that one convention, XYZ, the PDQ. And he, are you fucking kidding me? And now he's on Twitter saying, run away from this man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> What do you do? Because you can't call him out because no, then you're the right. asshole. You're right. Then you're the and, asshole. and then you've got to sit and then you're embroiled in yet another flame war that nobody wins. And it's, it's, it's debilitating at the end of the day. I got to tell you, I took your advice from that last uh, surviving creativity and, and curbed my uh, social media and it, it, it's been nothing but good times. I'm telling you, man, it's the, it's, I, I've I've started using Twitter as it was intended, which is just a way to communicate with your friends and family. And I mean, I use it so I use it professionally differently than I do personally. So don't 
don't get the two confused here. Um, as a tool for broadcasting out to your audience, it's great. As a, as a way of taking in information, you've got to protect yourself. You've just got to start protecting yourself. There's oh, just, yeah. You'll just get overwhelmed by it. It'll, it'll – <clears throat> Robert Koo once came into my office when I used to work at the Pentarchate office, and he just sat down and he goes, I don't think Twitter is a net gain for you. I want you to start considering it. And then, you know, Corey came on board and just basically once I was paying him to run my life was like, yeah, you're done with this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Angie was like, yeah, what he said goes. And then I, then it was, there's no, but he sat down he goes, I think you should take a look at Twitter and decide if it's a net gain in your life. You know, what value add is it bringing to your life? And it was zero. It was zilch, my man. I think yeah. I actually think that's true for most people. They don't realize it. Yeah. But well, and and what I've been seeing uh, lately is that I I've always kind of relied upon Twitter for a lot of promotion and stuff like that, and and had a mixed bag of results. And what I'm finding is that in doing so, I've been neglecting my own site and what I'm able to do there. And I've kind of readdressed that and started doing a little bit more work on my own site, and I'm getting much better results than I was just doing social media alone. It's like I forgot I had a website. <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> what was that? Because it's just, I don't know why that got me. It's like I forgot I had, a, I website. had a website. I don't know why it, that got me, There's a server Brad. somewhere and it's got all these X's and O's on it and it's running my website. Oh, God. <laughs> I got to get back over there. I just, I think it's funny because if anyone else had said, I forgot I had a website, I would have taken it at face value, but you're the guy that hangs up things by going, all right, I'll see you later. Oh, man. I can just see you going, God, I still know how I'm going to get this information across to my readers. And Caroline goes, what about the website? You go, oh. <laughs> I forgot the website. God darn it. She willikers. Oh, that God website. Me. I got my web space. I forgot all it's about it. It's always the last thing that you think of. Here I had that GeoCities account just sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> hey, guys, let me know when we're going to start talking about Star Wars. Oh, uh, let's talk about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. How about that lightsaber, huh? <laughs> oh, my God, Brad, it's so funny because I'm drawing a strip right now. <laughs> With oh, a yeah? lightsaber in yeah. it? Yeah. No, I just I'm, – I'm, um, I'm, I'm doing a strip where – here, I'll show it to you. It's funny how while you're doing that, it's funny how quickly the memes came out uh, on on that and the black stormtrooper uh, being a parallel to uh, Mel Brooks's Spaceballs. It, 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 it was like it took 12 seconds. I'm 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 more upset about people being like, well, here's racism again. No one can handle a black stormtrooper <laughs> because one guy went, aren't stormtroopers clones? And it's like. 
I'm I'm not shocked that people are racist. I'm not shocked that there was some white guy that went a black stormtrooper. What? <laughs> well, that's even <laughs> if there he goes is a stormtrooper. Yeah, assu- a, assuming he's a stormtrooper. Storm right. That's like right. saying Lake Luke and Han were stormtroopers. <laughs> I I like how I'm with Brad. I like how quickly the memes popped up. Somebody immediately had a. Uh, ikea style manual for a three-way lightsaber split. <laughs> oh that killed me i'm yeah and i also really like the about... swiss army knife idea of the oh, yeah. uh, lightsaber yeah, yeah. that was a good i one. felt good. really bad about um someone did an animated gif where when the two side things popped out it was casey green's dick butt thing on each side <laughs> dick butt has become a meme that is that is outgrown casey's ownership of it and i feel oh, is that right thing. yeah it's everywhere hmm? that dick butt thing is fucking everywhere and i know that no one's crediting him but oh well uh, uh, I, I think at some point things become bigger than the person who uh who invented yeah. said thing don't think i didn't notice the shirt you were wearing last night either. <laughs> i wore a han shot first on the yeah that i that's another one people often forget about that's from pvp and uh it's well, now it's now it's now and everywhere. That thing. was from that was from me. Um I don't know that I was the first person to say it, but I was probably the first person to put on a shirt. Joss Whedon is my master now, it's from the strip. All right, here, read this comic. Tell me what you think. Ah, there it is. <laughs> you do such a nice job of doing a caricature but remaining in your own style. That's so hard to do. Well, thank you. Can I read it out loud so the sure. podcasters? Do you want Mas- me to be Yoda? So you've got you've got a little. Uh, uh, it's it's. Uh, it's oh, Qui Gon Jinn in front of the Thank Jedi you. Council from Phantom Menace. You be Qui Gon, I'll be Yoda. Okay, Master, I have detected a vengeance in the Force. A, a vengeance in, in the Force. It's <laughs> it's centered around a boy named J.J. Abrams. You speak of the prophecy. You believe this boy can bring balance to the Force. Well, you got to do a Yoda voice. What are you doing? Oh, I realized that I didn't write this in Yoda speak. <laughs> Let's see. I'll, I'll Yoda speak it for you. Let's you see. speak of the prophecy. Uh, prophecy you, you speak. <laughs> you believe this boy could bring balance to the force. <laughs> <laughs> I request that the Council of Fanboys put some faith in this boy. Support his effort. Not so sure, are we? Happy with his work on Star Trek. The council is not. <laughs> Seriously? He is the chosen one. J.J. Abrams will make Star Wars cool again. Really freaking stupid, a lightsaber crossguard is. <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh, it's so good. I, I tell you, I'm excited about Star Wars again. I haven't been oh, in man, a really yeah. long time. I'm excited. Scott, again. was that... Was that you who drew the, the uh, a, a parallel between a Christmas story and the lightsaber? Yeah, or put put your hand off instead of put your eye out. Yeah, yeah, you'll yeah, put your hand me. off instead of you put your eye out, and and immediately I had this wonderful idea of retelling the a Christmas story from the standpoint <laughs> of a young Padawan, <laughs> where instead of the Red Rider BB gun, he wants to get his first lightsaber, and I thought, my God, what a great idea! Well, now you've given it away. Yeah, and everybody's gonna do it. <laughs> no, Davis uh, <laughs> is in the background drawing already. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't understand what all the. 
complaint was about the tra- about the little teaser trailer. I thought it was fun. Well, of course, there's going to be complaints. I mean, it, it, I, would you want to be J.J. Abrams? Even, even yeah. though I'm sure Fuck he's yeah. absolutely. I he's would. having a blast. <laughs> oh my! Believe God. me, dude, he's having a blast. He, he's he can't do wrong. The problem is not that the problem is not that the fans outgrew Star Wars. It's not that we weren't kids anymore when the Phantom Menace came out. That's not the case at all. The problem is okay <laughs> that George Lucas outgrew Star Wars. George Lucas had one fucking good movie in him and it was an accident. <laughs> he's not a great director. And I don't think he's a very good writer. <laughs> but we all were so blinded by Star Wars. It was so great. And Empire was amazing. But I don't think he wrote Empire. Kasdan wrote Empire. Mm-hmm. And Kasdan's writing this with Abrams. So you know it's going to be good. I think that George kind of outgrew... Star Wars. And the problem with the prequels was that I think that the movies serve technology more than technology served the movies. Because if you go back and look at them now, they're terrible technology wise. They're almost proof of concepts for George. And, and this is confirmed to me by watching a documentary on Netflix about digital, digital photography and mm-hmm. pushing from, from analog photography to digital film or digital recording on film. Mm-hmm. And those movies were a big, big thing. He made them all digitally so he could demand theaters play them digitally. Like that was a big part of him making those movies was you want the new Star Wars movie? You fucking put a digital projector in your theater because this is where it's headed. And it's like the story was serving the technology. And well, you got it. In some ways, you got to give Lucas credit for a lot of stuff, though. I mean, he he bucked the unions. Um, I believe both. All of that's great, but none of it makes a good Star Wars film. No, no, but I'm I'm just talking about technologically. He did a lot for the film industry and and it's because of the decisions that he made on those films. It doesn't it doesn't make them better films. I'm just saying that there, there is a silver lining to some of this stuff that happened. Pixar was his company. Was it originally? Yeah, they bought it from Lucas. They bought it from ILM. I did not realize. It was a. Uh, it was his company that what? transferred film to digital. How did hey, I not we've get know this? Because you were not the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end the recording because I have something else I want to talk about that's not appropriate for. Ooh. Uh, okay. I love an appropriate <laughs> conversation. <laughs> well, what's the wrap up? Uh, Supreme Court is deciding about. Um, Threats on the internet, quick, 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 yay or nay? If it's if it's a threat and it's on the internet, is it a true threat? I say yay. yay. Yes, true yeah. threat. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Put those kids in jail, all of them. Yes. Guess what, kids? Uh, you, Time can't to start. It, you can't have it both ways. You can't have an anonymous internet and a safe internet. So you decide what you want. Well, we'll. Uh, I think we should do another episode at some point talking about um, community responsibility as well because I think it's I think that there is some responsibility that needs to take shape in the in the particular communities but that's for another episode um Star Wars was our other conversation thumbs up yeah it's gonna be great thumbs way up right and uh and say things to people at conventions that do something poor or online why are we wrapping up (laughs) I don't know I feel like it needs an end here's how you end it thanks for listening guys Ha <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for joining us this week on another episode of Surviving Creativity. Remember, this show is made possible by listeners like you. If you like what you heard, please head over to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity and please consider becoming a patron. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week on another episode of Surviving Creativity.